0: Hi, welcome back to another episode of the Limited Upside Podcast. Today's sponsor is MailChimp, the world's leading email marketing platform. 12 million people use MailChimp every day to connect to their customers, market their products, and grow their e-commerce businesses. Send better email, sell more stuff. And we have a really good podcast today. Mike and I were joined by our friend Seth Rosenthal, also here of Nation. NBA content writing, all that. You know, We call him internet at large guy uh, because you can find him on the internet. He's fun on Twitter too. So we had a great conversation with Seth uh, and Mike and I kind of described who's good, who's bad, and we talked through all of that. So that's teams, players. The records don't really indicate who's good and bad right now. Every team has the same record. So we decided to make our own decisions about who's good and who's bad. We kept it simple. But before you listen, please do one thing for us. Actually, it's three things. Go subscribe, rate, and review All those good things. We love the feedback. Those comments are greatly appreciated. Uh, And as always, send us questions. You can send those questions to MikePreda at SBNation.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Prada SBN, at Limited underscore Upside, and at EpiBen. That's E-P-P-Y, Ben. Okay, I think that's all we have for you here. So please sit down and enjoy the Limited Upside podcast. We're back with another episode of Limited Upside Podcast. Mike and I are happy today because uh, we're in studio and we hey, have Dad. a special guest. Hey, Mike. Uh, who's, who's the special guest here? Introduce him. You sit right next to him in the office. Uh, he is
1: professional innertsman, uh, internetsman, <laughs> internetsman, uh, Seth Rosenthal. What's up?
2: I don't really consider myself a special guest when I work in the same office yeah. as you guys.
0: You've been on here like four times. You or can, something? I can be on
2: whenever you guys need me. No. But it's not really that. Are you an internetsman?
0: Fine, Inter- internetsman? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm, no, I'm in, an inertsman. If you a could make a, a card, like a business card that just said, like, Internet at Large, that'd be great. Well, I well, what, do that. what is yeah. your actual title? Like, what is I it official? I don't know. We don't, I don't, we don't do titles here. well here. No. Yeah. Oh, we're bad at that. But what we are good at, though, See how we did that? Is talking oh, nice. about uh, talking about the NBA. Seth is a, a Knicks specialist, and I think we're going to be able to get to the Knicks today because the topic that Mike and I've been kicking around. And again, this is should preface this all. It's a little bit of a potpourri. Uh, it's a weird time in the NBA. We just did a few podcasts coming out of you know the Christmas time, and uh, we did a bunch of Warriors and Cavs work, and uh, Ricky uh, O'Donnell and I did. Uh, uh, some some draft preview. So we decided to get into deciding what the NBA was all about today, and that is who's good and who's bad. Because Prada has this whole theory that almost the entire NBA is bad. Uh, and I have a, I have a, a, a feeling that he's going to try to support that theory uh, in, in our conversation here. And Seth is the eternal optimist, so this should be the perfect uh, like dichotomy. Seth is the
1: eternal optimist? Yeah, yeah.
0: that's right. For the, we'll see about that. For this podcast, <laughs> uh, he will be. But well, I should say that the records are not indicative of this conversation. One of the reasons we want to decide who is good and who is bad uh, is because most of the NBA is somewhere between like 14 losses and uh, like 21 losses everybody's basically in the same bucket, and that goes through teams with home advantage in the playoffs if they started now to teams who were picking top 10 in the lottery. So it's that tight. So that's why I want to have Mike and Seth tell me who's good and who's bad, and I think a team to start with, who I believe we might all agree is is quite good, uh, is Houston, because they have not gotten the same amount of love that some marquee players have this year or even some marquee teams, but I know that Mike and Seth, you guys have been focusing on them. Seth did a graphic today we'll get into, and Mike's done some breakdowns on Harden, so why don't we first decide... How good Houston is, because I think they're going to fall into the good, and then are they a contender or not? So, Mike, take, talk me through your Houston Rockets.
1: They're good. I've always thought that they would start well, mm. as because the Antonio ball is kind of tough to deal with on a night-to-night basis. And I thought that that style would get them going, uh, but their defensive warts were, will show. Instead, they've actually been pretty good defensively, especially since Patrick Beverly got back. I don't remember the exact number uh, Hmm. that they've been, but they're near the top 10 in the league since Beverly got back. And that is not something I expected. You know, we thought Harden would be great, we thought that they would shoot a ton of threes. What's interesting is that they've developed that actually a pretty deep team, too. You know, you. I was. It hit me as uh, the wizards were blowing a double digit lead against them on Monday that this is a team that they didn't even have Beverly that game. They can bring guys like Eric Gordon, uh, Nene, uh, Sam decker has been really good. Um, you know, guys like that who really accomplished off their bench, and so their rotation is actually quite strong. Uh, so. And they also can adjust game to game as well. So, I, I mean, I think they're good. Are they going to win the title? I, I don't know.
0: Do you, Seth, do you see any parallels between kind of the start that Houston's gotten on with D'Antoni compared to what he did with the Knicks?
2: They, they look pretty—it's such a wildly <laughs> different roster than That's the true. Knicks had. And the Knicks had a weird thing where they didn't go full D'Antoni ball until D'Antoni left. That aside— uh, the part where the Rockets are surprisingly good at defense, and I think probably better than maybe their reputation. Right, like the Rockets, I think are top half of the league at this point.
3: Yeah, which and is they the, did the,
2: they did not start yeah. that high. It took you know, it, like like Preta said, once Beverly returned, things started to pick up, and I don't know how much of that is causation. Mm-hmm. Certainly, Beverly is an awesome defender um, and someone that they really need, but. I I also watched my favorite team blow a double-digit lead against the Rockets recently. And, uh, yeah, I think the big men is really what surprised me, I guess. The shooting is expected, and Ryan Anderson is crazy, and pretty much any lineup that they put out there against any team that isn't perfect at defense is just going to
0: tear you apart. And they don't go cold, really. So what was... uh that game the one you're referencing when when Houston beat the Knicks uh, in the past week Harden had you know some NBA 2K box score numbers right yeah. how did he get to that point tell me about like this complexion of the Rockets that makes you guys you know if you're an opposing team if you are the Spurs or the Warriors scared to play them in the playoffs
2: yeah Harden played an interesting game against the Knicks wherein through most of the first half he was just driving and kicking the Knicks would have their big man hang back on him and sort of let him get to the free throw line and then play defense mm-hmm. on him. And he just didn't really want to score. It was very weird. He was kicking out over and over and over again. And for a while, Ariza and Anderson and them were missing. And so at some point, he was facing up to the basket, 27 feet out, with Lance Thomas in his face. And he was like, nah, time to shoot. Mm-hmm. And for the rest of the <laughs> game, he just shot contested, like, 32-footers right. and hit all of them. Yeah. Um, he is very soundly in that class of players now where it's just like it doesn't really if he's on he's on and it doesn't really matter yeah. so typically you get one of especially on a D'Antoni team you get one of those two things you either get a team that whips the ball around and is going to get open shots no matter what or you get a team that has a player who whether he's open or not is going to find a way to you know either draw a foul or score and they, they have the best of both right sure. now they maybe have the guy who can you know beat anyone Yep. From anywhere more than anyone else in the league. And they also move the ball really beautifully. It's and it's not overly complicated. It's a lot of just drive and kick, yeah. you know, familiar pick and roll D'Antoni stuff. Um but like spacing that matters. Spacing so that matters right. and and little picks off the ball. Yep. He he's very good at doing things that aren't elaborate. Right. But spring someone just a little bit extra open. And right. Yeah. They're they're crazy. And they're one of the, you know, if you're watching your favorite team play, play the Rockets and your favorite team goes up by like eight <laughs> against them, it'll be gone in a minute. Right. Yeah.
1: I mean, the, the point you mentioned about how it's not complex, but they do these little tweaks is really significant. I saw that when they played the Wizards. It wasn't working in the first half. They did a little, some little things changing the angle. They would bring certain players into certain positions to to facilitate the movement. D'Antoni's really good at that, and they have a team that's buying into it. And that's that's where I think in the playoffs that's going to really pay off because one of the questions I have about them, not only is, yes, their defense right now is 15th, but what happens when a team can say, all right, we're going to game plan and run screen and roll on Ryan Anderson all the time. Again, you saw a little bit of that against the Wizards, and then D'Antoni sat Ryan Anderson, put in Sam Decker, changed the changed things. So teams are going to be able to do that a little bit more in the playoffs. And the other thing I wonder about is like if you can just switch them does that neutralize what they do but the answer is not necessarily because D'Antoni will do all these little things he'll he'll angle the wide pin downs a little bit differently he'll angle the screener rolls and Harden like you said sort of can switch into whatever mode he wants there's times where he's kind of in pass mode and there's times he's in one-on-one mode and occasionally you wonder oh is he going back to the bad habits that brought him right. here but then it switches back into the good habits and it's really tough so they're good i don't know are they right now they're what third in the the west i mean how good do you think they're the third best team in the west because i they're playing like it but i don't know i'm still not
0: quite sure i mean it's a much different team uh than they've had in years past they were 41 and 41 last year so this isn't like a team that won 25 games is now 27 and nine um you know uh through 35 games or whatever um however many 34 games um but I just did that math wrong again, right? Yeah. 36 We even games? have laptops God in front of mighty. us, and we're still messing up the facts. <sighs> You're so bad with numbers. Um, anyhow, but the, the year before they were 41 and 41, they were 56 and 26, and James Harden was the best player on that team. And so significantly, Dwight Howard missed a lot of the year. He did, he did, which was probably telling to where they are now. I think a few things are at play. If you had asked D'Antoni when he was coaching, um, coaching Phoenix, Tell me your perfect player to have the ball in your hands. It would have been some combination of who Steve Nash is and what Carmelo Anthony kind of was for the Knicks. Be able to get your own shot when you need it, but Mm -hmm. facilitate the rest of your team and understand when to switch on and off. Kind of what you just said, Mike. I think Harden's doing a great job of that. But I gotta believe that, like mentality-wise, when he saw that they were making this this coaching hire, that it was for him, and he's embracing that. And you know, sometimes you don't get that from star players. Uh, but you have from Houston. It's a cliche, but they have a lot of guys on that team that have
1: a lot to prove. Yeah, Harden coming off a of summer where his game was raked over the coals. D'Antoni obviously has not had great success in his last few stops. Guys like Eric Gordon, um, a lot of people didn't think that he would be healthy enough to make this sort of impact. Sure. Pat Beverly plays his entire career like nobody wanted him. <laughs> uh, even some of the other guys they've got, like Ryan Anderson was someone that was sort of a backup plan for a lot of these teams mm-hmm. uh nene is a guy who the wizards didn't want even though he had some great years for them a lot of people were sort of writing off whether he's healthy he's playing a role and sometimes it does take just having this combination of players who are in that situation to bounce back but montrez harrell's been a pleasant surprise for them yeah i mean that's that's been pretty nice so i i just wonder like one of the questions i, I still have about them is that okay during the regular season, Dan Tony Ball on a night to night basis is sort of tough to prepare for. And what happens when they get into a playoff series? Then again, the rest of the West isn't that good, so maybe yeah. it doesn't matter.
0: Well, let's move on to uh, some other teams that we can label as uh, good or bad. Uh, that's the Rockets. We think they're pretty good. So, I mean, yeah, they will have a. definitely good. Okay, definitely good. Let's try a team who I think there might be some more mixed opinion on here. How about the Boston Celtics? Are they a good team? Should we be considering them as a team that we should talk about now because they will matter when the playoffs come around? Or are they just a team with a record that's a little inflated because of the Eastern Conference? Man, I am not going to have a good answer on
2: this. They oh. look so bad. <laughs> to me. They look so bad, and they keep winning. Yeah. They make so many mistakes. Isaiah Thomas is really, really good, and the players around him, I, I, Horford has even himself coming on with this, are so error prone mm-hmm. at crucial moments, and just like there are so many well-drawn-up plays that end up poorly executed either because the shooting lacks or because they guys they have guys who aren't really ball handlers trying to make ball-handling kind of plays I, I i don't know i'm interested to see what trade they're about to make cuz they it <laughs> yeah. sort of doesn't matter whether they're good or bad right maybe they'll never actually make that trade that's been rumored for like 17 years right. they
1: yeah they're the kings of the almost trade did you see the report today <laughs> that um A lot of people around the league seem to believe that if Durant, if the Warriors won the title, Durant might have actually signed with Boston instead of Golden State. Yeah,
2: That's like a— I mean, so Danny Ainge said that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I mean, they're the kings of the almost trade. Uh, Because
2: they're the kings of leaking, like, well, these guys all want to play here, and we had a package, but we decided not to (laughs) (laughs) because Jay Crowder's just too good to trade.
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh, the other, by the way, speaking of Jake Crowder, did you see that thing? Uh, we're recording this on on Wednesday. Did you see that thing about how he was mad at the Celtics fans for cheering for Gordon? Yeah. Hayward? So
2: were they it, during lineups? They were cheering for I him, think or so, yeah. they were chanting his name, or
1: I think they just kind of greeted him warmly. I want to say. I, I think just, they sort of, I mean, he's
2: white. They do that. With everybody. <laughs> it's true. Sorry, Boston fans.
1: Yeah. It's true. I mean, like, no, that's am gonna good. Get hate for that. I bet. But whatever. No, I mean, he didn't yeah. say it. He said it. Yeah. No, I don't it, care. it's true.
0: Though. I mean, that's. I think that's partially why Crowder got upset. I mean, without getting into too much of the the underlying tone of why it's probably not good that the Celtics fans were cheering for an opposing play, team's best player, it is kind of you know presupposing that they're going to be trading for the guy who's playing your position. It's okay if Crowder gets upset about that, in my well, opinion.
1: They didn't have to be playing this position. They could go small. Okay. all right. I, mean, know, so I, I get that, yeah. though. I
2: mean, Jay Crowder seems like a little aggro in general, yeah. but that that's pretty reasonable. Yeah, I think Being so. A little annoyed by that. Sure. I don't. I'm not sure that he took the best tack of dealing with that. But he was. He was I mean, emotional. Yo, what's what's your rule, Ben?
1: Stay I mean, off Twitter. Stay off Twitter. Stay yeah, off Twitter, if or or you're man. Well, see,
0: yeah, he, he tweets yeah. in all caps though. That's so true. He's.
2: Stay off Twitter. He's authentically. He's using a different. Yeah. App than the rest. Of That's us. true. He's on all caps Twitter.
0: One of my favorite uh, Twitter follows is the uh, Buster Only. Uh, yes, like tripping only. Tripping, tripping i was only, just people. One of that the recently. best. What is all, tripping only? It's a. Uh, it's always all caps, <laughs> and uh, usually like, the lighter side of of baseball. But like. But he's serious. I think I'm going to start tweeting in all caps. Yeah. No. So if
1: I tweet, like, uh, great job by Kelly Oubre to be on the nail in
0: all caps, like, does that give (laughs) me more authenticity? I would find that to be sarcastic. (laughs) I I really like it. I would like for that to be your brand. Uh,
1: Are the Celtics good? Yeah. Hmm. Um, Well, they've been good since their guys got healthy if you define good as winning a lot of games i feel you though they they seem like the kings of the like let's design a great play for uh jake crowder to miss a wide open three or mark yeah. smart to miss an open three but they have i mean isaiah is really good i think it's he's a special player he's spe- it's great how they use him he's just so fun to watch and at this point anyone who doesn't think he is is just not paying attention hmm. horford is still really a really good player as well he still does so many different things he doesn't really rebound which is sort of a team-wide problem but that I think he's been since he got back playing at an all-star level uh, Avery Bradley's having a great season uh, Marcus Smart is playing better uh, Crowder is a little hot and cold
0: um, but yeah their bench isn't that great um, but well a question then. so if you're the Celtics and I want to get back to what Seth said about, the tr- not making this trade the the kings of the, the pip uh the uh, pump fake if you will of trades um for years now especially given these these uh brooklyn picks look like they're going to be tremendous not yeah. just the next year but even the year after i mean it could be the number one pick next year um in a very guard and wing heavy draft positions that you've got in spades if you're the celtics Prade, i know that you are not one to make a irrational trade decision in the middle of the year but if you're the celtics now Maybe part of the angst coming from the fan base, why they're cheering for not just the Butler connection uh, between Stevens uh, um, and Gordon Gordon Hayward, which is probably something that sits on the minds of more than just the fans. Um, But what what move would you even make? Because the names being thrown out now are like uh, franchise-altering players and also uh, change completely how you play the game. Well, the other problem that
1: they're running into, I think, is this new CBA is making it a lot harder to trade for Hmm. stars um with the new extension rules like so even someone like DeMarcus Cousins if they wanted him which I don't think they necessarily do he can sign if he makes an all NBA team he gets he can sign for so much more money mm. um with the Kings and Paul George with the uh, with Indiana and even Jimmy Butler with Boston or with Chicago, these are guys that maybe in the past you'd say, "Oh well, if their teams still continue to go nowhere, then they'll face like, oh, we gotta trade him or nothing.'" Right. But it's now so much easier potentially for these players to stay. But then, if you're Boston, also does that mean you necessarily want to go in the next tier down? I mean you remember at this time last year there was talk why don't they trade for Al Horford? Well they got Al Horford anyway didn't have to trade anything. Is is that Millsap now? Or Gordon Hayward maybe. I mean the Jazz aren't going to trade Gordon Hayward now but like these are the level of players that if they're impending free agents like what's the point? So they're stuck in that weird middle ground.
2: What what do the Celtics want in a trade? Because
3: all of the guys we're talking about
2: are those like you know star third piece kind of wing scorers or DeMarcus Cousins but they're a extremely good offensive team and a bad defensive team.
0: Right yeah, now. bad. They right. could use Nerlens. I'm not. I'm not even just saying that as I always try to trade Sixers it players in this. Seems podcast. to me like
2: the kind of guys that they. <laughs> they could. The kind of guys that they would be trading away, who would probably be some combination of Crowder and Smart and Bradley, are the kinds of guys that I would think they would want to trade for. Right, right. Or guys who would improve their defense. They just have. Like, why are they such a bad defensive team?
1: Yeah, well, they're not that bad. They started bad. They've gotten better. What they can't do is defensive rebound. And I think in some of these matchups where they go super small, they're just too small. And so I okay. don't know. Do they need like so their options really are when they play? Is they're either playing two bigs that with Amir Johnson, who I think is a part-time player now, or or they're playing small with Jay Crowder at the four. You know, they they've had Kelly Olynyk play the four a lot, and that lineup is generally good. But that's again not a lineup you'd run out as your key lineup so neither of those lineups are really like the great lineup that I think they wanted and so if they could find a really good four like that would be great I mean Paul Millsap would be great there but it's the same thing like why are you trading a lot to when you could get the guy over the summer I mean I don't know what their cat situation is exactly I think they may need to offload some some money to get there but it's the same dilemma so until then I mean are they good like I mean they're okay they're pretty good but like i'm not that excited about them like i even with toronto struggling a little bit i'm not i think they're a better team than boston is i, I expected more from the celtics so put the stamp on it pray to the
0: celtics are good or bad uh they're okay all right they're fine so i mean i'm just going to say Still they're the bad because yeah. it's funnier yeah i like that so <laughs> bad
1: Bad. Um, we have really, really, really well, convict- I, strong I mean, like, convictions. What I say has is- no bearing on
2: anything, so I'm going to say <laughs> the Celtics are trash.
0: We have I very strong convictions here. I'm going to agree with Seth here, um, and not just because I always call out the Celtics and the Knicks, but you're right here. Um, but I will say this. Um, one of the cool things about uh, or not cool things, interesting things about— Baseball and basketball uh, is that teams have to decide at the deadline: are they sellers or buyers, right? And the MLB added another wild card; it screwed up for two years how GMs process the trade deadline because more teams became contenders, if you will, even though they probably weren't two years ago when there was one less, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, position right. to, to fulfill uh, for the playoffs. The NBA now, and, and look, there's the same amount of teams are going to make it eight from each conference, but with the amount of teams that are. I don't know, call it close or within, you know, an arm's reach of a a playoff spot. Like, I'll give you the East, for example. Uh, Let's see. The Heat, Sixers, and Nets are not in the playoff Race, right uh, now, right now.
1: The Heat are firmly in, firmly in like, let's make sure our guys yeah. are really healthy before yes. they get back to playing. <laughs> yes. right. but,
0: but everybody else, Pistons, Magic, Knicks, Wizards, Bulls, Pacers, Bucks, Hawks, Hornets, Celtics, and we're going to take the top layer out here, too. The uh, Raptors and Cavs are in their own little space right now, record-wise, but everybody else is within four games of each other.
1: So here's my question So does that all make this.
0: more trades or less trades is what I'm trying to get to. Those I are think, all teams that built this summer, too. A
1: little bit. Right. Yeah. Those are all yeah. teams
0: that were like
2: trying to win this yeah. year. Right.
1: See, this is the thing I, w- I wonder about with is like, what is the end game for like seven or eight of those teams? I mean, unless you're Milwaukee, where it's like you're kind of clearly on an upward trajectory. Like, what is. And Boston, I guess, still has all those assets. Like, what. What does getting the four seed really do for you, right? Uh, in the grand scheme of things, it's just sort of like a, hey, it's nice to be the four seed. So that may actually spur more trades because it's like
0: hey, might as well go for the four seed. Like well, that's that's the baseball model now is hey, might as well go for the wild card, right? Why not, right? Yeah, um, the difference is in baseball, you have an opportunity to win the World Series by making the playoffs, whereas in the NBA, uh, no eight seed is going to touch the one seed this year. Yeah. yeah,
2: I mean, I would assume both as. Someone who's rooting for a team in this position, and you know, looking outside from the outside in at how a front office might work. That you know, the Bucks aren't trying to win the championship. It's right. just uh, winning a playoff series would be awesome. But that's is that, so. an exception. Yeah, yeah. 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 And Milwaukee's the, all right. So not even the Bucks, but like yeah. you know, the Knicks. If the Knicks, I don't think I would be in favor of this. But if the Knicks could go, you know, make a trade for someone that improves the team. And turn from like a seven to nine seed to like a four to six seed. I, you know, whatever, do that. W- would you, be, you prefer- if you can get home court advantage in the playoffs somehow right. by making one move, and it only hurts your long term situation a little bit. Whatever. So, uh,
0: ideal scenario though would be as a, as a Knicks fan. Uh, let's say moving forward though, it wouldn't be to get like a playoff series under the belt for your entire team of veterans with the exception of you know Kristaps, right? Everybody else in the Knicks has played some playoff basketball, even Carmelo. And so with that being said, wouldn't getting a top 10 pick, picking up one of these top point guards in this draft, be a lot more of a of a net gain uh, than even a one playoff round? Yeah, I shouldn't have used the Knicks as an okay. example. <laughs> I meant to say you know, them, not yeah. me.
2: Well, like if you're uh, Indiana
1: or if you're sure. Washington or if you're Detroit, I guess Detroit is a young team, um, but
2: if you're Atlanta... These teams have all been, you know, making moves right. and trying to improve right. and adding big names to their rosters. All of those, yeah. right? There is such thing though as if you're not in the
1: playoffs, you're out of sight, out of mind. I think this happened to the Wizards last year. Is that? I mean, they they won what three fewer games or five fewer games in the previous year, and they missed the playoffs by a couple games. It may as well have been Plan D on or yep. Plan Z on most free right.
2: agent boards. Right. Well, I mean, Horford is a good example there. Horford, I think. Want like was considering the Wizards right and the yep. well, Celtics, but just but, the, but <laughs> you know the Celtics are a, a better situation than the Wizards. The Celtics weren't that yeah. much better than the Wizards.
1: right. So time. so there is a difference between the four seed and the eight seed and the ten seed in this respect. So I, I think that may spur teams to do something. Um, do these are these teams any good though? Like I yeah, let's, let's, we can go through all these teams. Like do you think I th- do you think
2: Milwaukee is good? Dude, I of all the teams you could possibly, I have no idea. <laughs>
1: okay, I think Milwaukee is good.
2: I have yeah, no I idea. do too. I think
1: Milwaukee is good. I think yeah. Milwaukee has things they're not good at, like, and I think Milwaukee is got to figure those things out. And Milwaukee is weird, but I think they're top at this point. I want to say they're top ten in both offense and defense. I think they've had a home heavy schedule, but they're uh, yeah, they're eighth in offense and they're tenth in defense. Yeah. Which is pretty amazing. Uh the eighth and yeah. offense is what it surprises me the most. Like that team can't doesn't have anybody can shoot the ball and yet they're eighth in offense. Right. I think it's sort of sort of fascinating with how the if there's like are they the like zagging team when everybody else is zigs team. Well, um they
0: were doing they were
2: zagging Well they're you know, before. it's not like they're shooting they're not Spurs style good. They're just getting everything in the rim. It's so yeah. much in transition. Right.
1: Right. But and even like a lot even, half court, be honest, but, even half court <laughs> yeah. though, they're just jamming the basket. Yeah. Like we don't yeah. have there aren't a lot of teams out there that are just like Jamming the front, the front of the rim, the way they do.
0: Well, they got they got a finally healthy for the first time, healthy and fit for the first time in his NBA career. Jabari Parker, who looks like an exceptional player. Yeah. So that's something that coming into this year was still a question mark, which has been answered. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon has been really good. Yeah. I mean, I don't think people even outside of ACC people who follow their you know four year seniors with high graduate GPAs <laughs> from UVA and whatnot, and not many people thought this guy was going to be an impact. NBA player and look, they spent talking about teams who built, their move was to sign Matthew Delvedova to play point guard. And now he's losing his minutes and I, I Brogden was starting. I think I think Delhi was a little injured. Okay. But, um yeah. yeah Brogdon's also, cutting into his
1: minutes. They're yeah. they're third in the East in net rating. Hmm. They're eighth in the league. So we're gonna say that the Bucks are I think uh, the Bucks are good. good. Okay, well then how now, about you, the other thing Chris, Chris Middleton might come back this year.
3: Hmm. Yeah.
1: Chris Middleton. That would he, be
2: a big help if he came Woody back. Woody forgets that they are missing one of the better <laughs> players on the team. Woody yeah.
1: Terry towards Hammy? Quad yeah, it tore, didn't he, like, tear his hip off? It was, Ugh. like, a really disgusting oh, injury, yeah. right?
0: Yeah, his leg fell off. God. Well, I'm glad they found it. Um, well, I'm sure he'll be just fine when he comes back then. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> well, we're not doctors, but I think he's going to be fine.
3: This episode of Limited Upside is brought to you by MailChimp. 12 million people use MailChimp to connect with their customers, market their products, and grow their e-commerce businesses every day. MailChimp has been around since 2001. The company started as a side project funded by various web development jobs, but now they are the world's leading email marketing platform. They send more than a billion emails a day. They democratize technology for small businesses, creating innovative products that empower their customers to grow. When you connect to your store with one of MailChimp's hundreds of e-commerce integrations, you can create targeted campaigns, automate helpful product follow-ups and send back in stock messaging learn what your customers are purchasing and then send them better email mailchimp will also analyze the purchase history of each customer to make smart data-driven predictions about what they'll want to buy in the future it's enterprise-level technology made simple for everyone just drag and drop sending personalized product recommendations to your customers increases sales in just a few clicks mailchimp detects purchasing patterns in your e-commerce data and uses them to automatically predict your customers buying. Behavior so you can target the right people with the right products. It's MailChimp. Send better email, sell more stuff.
0: Talk about the two other teams uh, that are interesting and, and are right around um, the Bucks right now. One in front of them, one behind them. The Hawks are slightly ahead, and the Pacers are slightly behind. I know that uh, from our previous conversations on this podcast. Mike hates the Pacers. Uh, I was a little higher on them. Earlier in the year, they're eighteen and eighteen. The Hawks are eighteen and sixteen. We think the team in between them, the Bucks, is good. <laughs> so where does that put us with these two franchises? I don't think they're either Both of them suck. are. Yeah, Both suck. I don't think they're either of them are that good.
1: Atlanta's problem is they just have no they have no ability to score. So right. you know, they lost I feel like with them their rise and fall has coincided with like Kyle Corver's rise and fall. So when he was zipping around off all those screens and yeah. really hitting all those amazing three pointers and really full of life, like they were good. Like that was the year they were really good. And it was he
0: was the engine. Even the first like three weeks of the season he was healthier.
1: Right. And then and then last year he was not quite as good, but still had some of that. He was still like a regular starter quality player for most of the year. And this year he's now coming off the bench and it's just every year they take a step down as he takes a step down. Because without him They just have no—I mean, you're seeing Kent Bazemore this year look so bad. It's because they have nobody who can—I mean, Schroeder can make a play off the dribble for himself, but he's so erratic. Yeah,
2: that's actually—that's immediately what came to mind when we talked about the Hawks is that Dennis Schroeder's starting point guard has not been— the. Not that he's... He's been okay. He's had a fine season. But he's not been the type of player I thought he would be. I thought, you know, you give Dennis Schroeder Dwight Howard and he's just an, you know, an alley-oop monster. Right. Mm-hmm. He's sort of playing like Jeff Teague did. <laughs> right, where he's not trying as well. to score... I mean, obviously, he's not as good of a shooter. But he, he's doing okay getting to the rim by himself and, you know, creating mid-range and outside shots for himself. But he's not connecting with the big man. Millsap tends to do stuff on his own. Uh, you know, Howard is doing a lot of his work just on the glass. We're not getting the ball at all. We're
0: just not getting the ball, which is, you know, fine. Um, <laughs> this this team is so weird, though, too. I mean, they, they have, of their last, what, five, seven, uh, seven games here, they lost to the Wolves twice while beating the Spurs, Knicks, Pistons in, in the same same breath. That, that screams of uh, and, know, inconsistency. Well, that, and that Spurs game depended on <laughs>
2: Tim Hardaway Jr. playing was, the best game of his life. Yeah, he was <laughs> incredible in that game. How'd that feel watching that? So. You know, I, you want the honest, how did that feel? As yeah. I watched the game and I was like, Wait, is Tim Hardaway Jr. good? And I looked at the stats and I was like, Oh no, he's he's having maybe his worst season. I think I NBA. did the same thing. <laughs> was a heck of a I game, still though. believe he can be a useful player.
1: Yeah. I mean sure. But, sure. but yeah, they just don't have anybody who can spur life into them, you know, create creases in the defense that are matter. It's just they just toss
0: the ball around. So it's the same to, thing they did last year, but even worse. And if they're not good, uh, and I don't think they're either, I think all three of us would agree that uh, even if the Hawks make the playoffs, I don't think they're a good team. Having said that, if the Pacers make the playoffs, I'll think they're a little bit better because I think they'll have figured something out throughout the course of this year because the basketball they've played for the first two months has been incredibly subpar, but here they are, uh, would be the seventh seed in the East right now. Eighteen and eighteen uh, again. Net rating. They're a negative team point differential wise. I think they probably net out to like thirteenth, I believe, in the Eastern Conference or something like that. Oh, I don't think they're that bad, are they? I, I don't. And the Pacers. Uh, well, they have are the 15th, By they
1: have the fifteenth best net rating in the league. Oh, okay. Uh, right at they are behind. Oh, I was looking at
0: the full league there. Right they're
1: behind. Toronto is one. Cleveland is two. Obviously, Toronto is sort of playing a lot harder than Cleveland is the regular season. Mm. Milwaukee, Boston, Charlotte, Chicago, Washington, Indiana. And then Detroit and Atlanta are also tied with them. So Indiana, Detroit, and Atlanta are right
0: in the same spot. It's perfect. Do we Uh, think the Pacers have – are they good or bad? Uh, Go ahead, Mike.
1: Yeah, I mean, no, I don't think they're very good, but they're not, like, as bad as they were. Like, it sounds like Jeff Teague's playing a little bit better. They have talent at the end of games. Paul George has weirdly been a clutch monster this year, which has kind of saved them, I think, in a lot of games. I'm still not – as you know I'm not the biggest fan of his in terms of is he a top 10 player but he's still quite quite good one of the yeah. best players in the east uh Miles Turner's playing better it seems like they figured a few things out they figured out that Monta Ellis as a star is just not not happening <laughs> and they've kind of gone away from that good way, Yeah um but no i I still don't think they're that good i mean i think they just they just don't have enough good players off that bench i mean it's a bad bench al Jefferson looks done and I don't Ronnie Stuck is always injured like who is there to kind of rely on after their starting group and it's not like their starting group like fits like a glue. Yeah.
2: You know? Yeah, they have a strange group of because yeah, Miles Turner is awesome and yeah. Paul George is awesome but they don't do much for one another. That team doesn't really get to the rim. They don't shoot a ton of threes. They just—it's just a lot of Paul George yeah. trying to create for himself, and then other people trying to create for themselves. The bench is just Al Jefferson trying to create for himself, and it—it yep. it works sometimes because those are all good players and good offensive creators. But they—and I don't think it's necessarily anything that uh, Nate McMillan is doing. They just have the kinds of guys right. running the kinds of schemes where either they are going to get hot or they are. Not going to beat teams because they just don't generate a ton of good shots on their True. offense. They don't get up out on the break, and you know, so either, no. either they're going to suddenly become great <laughs> defensively, or well, what do they I do? think it's more likely. Teams?
1: I think it's more likely they improve offensively. I mean, they haven't been that bad offensively. Well, they it's not just even haven't
2: that been. They've been bad. Is that they are just generally dependent on guys beating people by themselves? Yeah. They. Right they it, like I, I think if you were to look i mean i have it in front of me now they yeah they're near the they're 29th in the league in shots at the rim and near the bottom in the league in three point attempts like they they're sort right. of the opposite of you know the rockets or or like classic mori ball where it's
0: right.
2: it's just a lot of one point per possession attempts and yeah if they hit all those if if paul george is playing well if Teague is playing well, if Al Jefferson has a good night off the bench, then they're good.
0: And a lot of those guys, it's hard for them to all have good nights simultaneously because a good night to like a Jeff Teague means he's getting his shots and they're going in. Same right. thing well, with they, Paul George. I mean, that's exactly the problem right, with them.
1: Right, it's right. that it's they're all on their own, and right. that was not supposed to be the case. But of course it is because everybody who should have seen this coming. I mean, they're exactly the team we all thought they'd be. <laughs> yeah, that's they true. Not?
0: And they're eighteen and eighteen, which I think is like right around where Vegas thought they'd be too. Um, I want to hit. Uh, two teams together because we have basically have lumped the Knicks and Bulls together the entire uh, pre <laughs> preseason previews we did and uh, so far throughout the course of this season on this podcast. Oh, the Bulls definitely aren't good. Uh, well, hey, easy, man. We'll get to it. Is there any debate at this point? Are the
1: Bulls, do, do you think the Bulls have anything going for them other set, than Jimmy Butler? Let me set this up. Hey, that's a good thing to
0: have going for you. Okay. All right, hold on. So the Bulls are 17 and 18. They are sitting in the eight seed as we sit here today. Uh, the Knicks are a half game behind them. Okay, so they are basically the same record. Again, one of the things we're doing on this podcast today is deciding who's good and bad because records aren't really that indicative. They're all basically the same. So with the Knicks and Bulls having almost the same record, can we decide if there's much that differentiates them right now in terms of who's good and who's bad? Okay, go, Mike.
1: No, they're both bad. <laughs> they're, the Knicks are ba- both bad. <laughs> the Knicks are bad because they're not very deep, and so they've lost exactly what we talked about in right. our preseason podcast. They, when they had all their guys together, yeah, they couldn't defend, but that actually was a pretty good offense, yeah. and now guys have been nicked up a little bit, and they, they've lost all these games, right? I mean, that's—
2: They're, they're just too bad a defense for yep. any of it to matter. I don't—you know, they're a really bad defense when everyone's around. They're a really bad def- defense when some guys have been hurt. Um, is this think, correctable
0: with this roster, or is that sort I think of? I like...
2: they could be closer to average. I, I think they need to find a way to get, you know, Chris Stapps defending the rim and sep- separate him and Joe Kim-No a little bit because they they can't. I, I, Go ahead. The, the Knicks' defensive schemes upset me a lot. Okay. Well, um, you know, t- today there was a rumor that the Knicks are interested in trading for PJ Tucker. Which, whatever, that probably won't happen. Um, you mean Lance Thomas? Oh, okay, right. They're different players, yeah. Didn't they just I, sign yeah.
0: Lance Thomas? Yeah, it
2: was the same guy. <laughs> um, except Lance Thomas hits his... Shot. That's true. But whatever. Um, <laughs> well, he probably did last year. His, look at his three point percent this year, buddy. Okay, all right. Uh, <laughs> Don't fact-check me on this show. <laughs> <laughs> no, just the, the Knicks overcomplicate defense, and I think... That seems to be a kind of a Kurt Ramis thing because the Knicks mm. defend the way the like champion Lakers did, except if all those guys sucked. Um, <laughs> There's no Michael Cooper. Walking it's just a it lot way. of like switching and helping, and like it, they're trying to do something really complex and exotic mm-hmm. and innovative, but like just d- defend the people in front of you. Just like start from the beginning. Start right. simply. Every man hold his own and then let's build from there instead of trying. to, It's kind of like the defensive version of the triangle offense where it's like, why don't you just do something simple <laughs> and try and, instead of trying to force this like complicated thing that
0: requires all sorts of choreography and cohesion that yeah. isn't necessarily there. Do you think part of it, and I wonder about this a lot, a lot of uh, coaches complain about there not being practiced, right? And offense is something that I think is a lot more... Systemic, uh, So the right system, the right players to operate it, and you could figure it out. Defense takes reps and trust and things that practice builds. Do you think that's part of this? That like new coach basically playing with a full roster of guys who have not played that much together because the Knicks had a lot of turnover this last year and they just haven't really figured out how to play defense, whereas offense is a lot more obvious. It's like we've got, and even though that might not be, we could, you could talk about what you think the Knicks offense should look like too. Um, but do you think that's part of the deal? Like they just really haven't been able to find that cohesive I don't, know, I don't know time to come around and, and and get on the same page sure that's definitely part of it it's a new group of guys
2: Yeah, um, yeah. it's weird to me though I guess that and again this is like the triangle stuff yeah. that if you got a new group of guys unless you're really unless you're tanking basically and are more interested in sort of building an ethic than sure. you are in winning games which if you just traded for Derrick Rose you should, should not be <laughs> the case you should try to win well, some certain, games yeah. mixed message yeah well, you know, if you just signed Joe Kim Noah and traded for Derek No, Rose I and, totally yeah, agree. Should, I mean, they
1: do have a fundamental problem in that Carmelo doesn't guard anyone. Kristaps is too slow to guard the perimeter.
2: and But that's not a fundamental problem. That's a, that's a just play some different lineups right, Chris Kristaps isn't a bad defender. He's a bad well, he defender can't guard, of he, power forwards. He
1: can't guard the perimeter, and so you have to— So he's the center. Right. Problem I, mean, solved I I everything. understand what you're saying. I'm just, and <laughs> yeah. uh, Derek Rose, they have a lot of bad defenders. Like, I don't think that there's any way to make that team a good defensive team.
2: Not good, but not also right. you know bottom five in the league.
1: They should be a little better than this. I huh?
2: honestly think I, if I, if you said Seth, you get to make change one thing about Nick's you know lineups. I wouldn't actually. I wouldn't even change the lineup. I would just say, Presto, Joe Kamno is the four. Chris Tapps is the five. See what happens. <laughs> well. Yeah, they, they should do some
1: of that. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Joakim Noah had to do that when Paul Gasol was playing. He was playing with Paul Gasol in Chicago. It wasn't like that was super incredible either. I mean, it's better than what they no, could I, do. I, we're not
2: asking for incredible. Yeah, we're trying to get we're the we're base asking level level for here. not yeah. horrible. Yeah, that's fair.
1: All right, the Bulls, speaking of things that are, there's no way that can be fixed, uh, the Chicago Bulls offense. Yeah. Uh, so it turns out that Rajon Rondo, <laughs> maybe not a great fit with Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler. Who knew? Personality-wise. <laughs> yeah.
2: I so what was going well for the Bulls early in the year? Why was it working for a little bit?
1: So they were making more shots, I thought, from the perimeter. They, they've they always been so good at crashing the glass, uh, and so they were just pounding the offensive glass or pounding pounding the hell out of it. And, you know, different guys are making shots. I mean, Dwayne Wade was hitting his three early in the year. Um,
0: and uh, That was the biggest fool's goal. I mean, Wade hitting threes... Yeah, hitting more threes in a single game than he attempted the previous year it was a pretty good sign. Something and they to were change. and yeah. they were
1: moving it really fast. And I don't think teams were quite as daring at the beginning of the year as they're trying to get all their stuff in order to say, you know what, like let's just not guard Rajon Rondo or Wade or any of these guys. Let's just not do it. And now I think that they have some of their packages, and it's like, oh. We can just do that, and they can't do anything. Um, and we know that we have to keep them off the glass as we do it. That's like the only thing. I don't know if people were necessarily quite as prepared for the ferocity that they were crashing. So I think that's some of it. And I mean, also, some guys got hurt, and that's true.
0: You know, Wade's had a bad knee for I think he said today um, fourteen years. Yeah, I mean, McDermott so. had in, had his issues for a while. And Mirtich is inconsistent. We can keep going with this. Yeah. I mean, they they have they have different issues in the Knicks but both teams are are, are flawed that's why they're right around each other in the standings and while we've been juxtaposing them the uh, entirety of this uh, podcast this year but I want to know where you stand with if you have a guy like Jimmy Butler who I don't know where you guys see him if he's second team all NBA right now if he's he's a decidedly top 20 player in the NBA he's definitely a top probably 15 player in the NBA he's good he's a good player he's good right Mm -hmm. Knicks and Bulls bad Jimmy Butler good um good butler With that being said, why can't you figure out a way to build something in season with the players you have around the top 15 player in the NBA? It Feels like there should be something that could be done from a, well, a coaching it, standpoint can... to, to work around your strengths. No, there's uh, the
1: team's just so tor- terribly built. I mean, you I know, think... they sort
2: of missed the boat on that this offseason. Yeah, it's yeah. True. yeah. I mean, what are would they be
1: undoing to do? mistakes? Yeah.
0: They did the opposite of building around Butler with the players they have. I
1: mean, even right now they're saying, okay, Rondo, you're out of the rotation. Maybe we'll buy you out or whatever is going on there. They're replacing him with Michael Carter Williams. <laughs> it's not like that's going to really change the. Who <laughs> so they traded issue.
2: for it on purpose? It's not like they right. You know, mm-hmm. he was just sitting there. They went out and got him. It's true. Right. So
1: I'm not really sure what they expected and you it's going to be it's going to be weird I, I'm not saying that Fred Horberg is like this genius but it's like have you really given him what he really needs to do what he really wants to do you know uh, who
2: the Bulls need Derrick Rose <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming home
0: I'm no, coming but Derrick Rose
1: has been very good this year I, I thought you, th- you Wait, said he was what? good <laughs>
0: No, I asked you. I wanted to have a—the <laughs> other part of this podcast what? we're going to do is good and bad players. I have not put a label on him. it Rose is bad. Okay, so well, let's get to the players part. We're done with the teams. That's perfect. This oh. is a great segue. You we we did all East teams, by the way. Do we,
1: do we have any thoughts on whether other West teams are good? I, I had one more, good?
0: I had one more West team on here, which was the Grizzlies, because I think they're an interesting good or bad team. I think it right. might be mixed. We'll do all right, We'll do the Grizzlies. Wait, are the Thunder good? Can we ask that question? Yeah, I think do, they, you yeah.
1: think the, do you think the Thunder are good?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I I like the Thunder. I like teams that are are good and strange. That, that and know what they are. Backward ways. Yeah. They're like, well, we'll just miss everything and get all the rebounds and. That I'm, counts, too.
1: I'm impressed by Oladipo when he's played. Yeah. I think he's had a really good year, I, he's been better than I thought. Mike, you're uh, killing all of my individual players right now that we're going for Oh, right. Gonna we're going to talk about, about whether Oladipo is good.
0: All right. Yeah, uh, I think Oladipo is good. Next. Um, okay. <laughs> what else do you want to talk about? <laughs> all right. Well, okay. First off, let's go back to the Grizzlies. We'll label the Grizz. I, I think the Grizzlies are, are a good team. I think people probably forgot because Marcus Gasol didn't play that much last year due to injuries how phenomenal he is. And even with Conley's injuries being up and down so far this year, they've still I mean, been able to maintain.
2: The Grizzlies played really well without Mike Conley. They have yeah. to be good. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. yeah, I don't
1: think they're that good. <laughs> I, how I don't can think they not be good. good? They had like
2: all, Troy Williams playing huge minutes, and they still beat everybody.
1: They're resourceful, and they're, very, they're able to win games that they shouldn't win, but they're still 24th in offense. I mean, their offense is just not good. And Gasol is good, but you you look at around that team Chandler Parsons looks like a shell of himself i don't think you're going to expect anything from him like what what at what point are you going to be able to get enough offense out of that team i mean they're scratching and clawing but i'm not sure that means that they're actually that good
2: yeah i guess they're just sort of i love, like I have so much respect for the grid. Yeah. They should be terrible. Yeah, yeah. No, they should not have a good record right now. Right. They've
1: done some smart things on the margins, like so. Troy Daniels is actually been useful for them. Vince Carter has been useful for them. But the problem is that these are all guys that will have these stretches that they'll be useful, and then they'll fade. Right. And like the underlying foundation is just not really there. I mean, it's really Conley and Gasol, and that's it at yeah. this point. You know, and there's a lot of guys on their team that I like, like just aesthetically and think are underrated and they've plucked them out to take a team that should be a 35-win team and they're going to turn into a 48-win team but that doesn't mean
0: that I don't think that they're good. <laughs> I must say that 48 bad. wins is like you don't just stumble into that. I mean, maybe more so this year with the amount of parity around the league. But well, maybe like, they don't even get to 48. Right, right. But I'm saying, like, they could easily be the 11 and 24 Dallas Mavericks. They've had the same injuries. They've, you know, have an older aging roster in turnover. They, they even have a new coach. They don't even have the stability of a, of a Rick Carlisle. Um, and Fizdale's been been great. I mean, taking your first head coaching job and having uh, your point guards going to get injured, uh, you're going to pick up a bunch of D-League guys, multiple games, you're going to have eight total people dressed, you know, things like that. Again, you uh, was it Mannix? Is that, who, who do we have on from the from the Grizzlies podcast? Who, who was it who came Joe on? Joe right. And Molinex was able to tell us that the city lives through the Grizzlies and they kind of emulate Memphis. And I think that's actually been uh, been true this year. They seem ah, like so a tough team. It's
1: actually a really good comparison. So Memphis is like a city that's become a cult classic but is not actually a particularly amazing city.
0: Mm-hmm. We going right. for the f-
1: right? I mean, are we now?
2: <laughs> are we now dumping on entire city? <laughs> no,
1: I like I like Memphis the city. We've already
0: made yeah, enough you, enemies. Okay, this but like,
1: okay, but like, do you don't like Memphis the city as like I've got to go to Memphis. You just kind of like it'd be there are interesting things to do there. Yeah,
0: I mean, I think I think a lot it's of not, Americans have their perspective perspective on cities based upon sports teams, right? Like, I know that there are probably 500,000 people in the outskirts or around Philadelphia that hate the city of Dallas and have never been there. Lovely place. (laughs) It's clean, it's pretty, new architecture, good food. Hate it because of the Cowboys, right? And, like, I... I didn't like New York for the longest time, being from Philadelphia, because because the sports teams, oh, they're, you know, yada, yada, and then you come to the Garden, and you're like, wow, this place is pretty cool.
1: This is because Uh, of the intense Wizards-Grizzlies rivalry that
0: has tainted my feelings on the city. (laughs) Intense hatred for Memphis coming (laughs) from Bethesda. It's a great story. You love, but I'm not not sure I'd say they're good. Well, I'll cap this with this. I do think, to agree with Seth, I think the Thunder are good. I like teams that know who they are and double down on it when it's, like, semi-successful, and they seem to have this militaristic way about them. They have a general and they support him with tanks. Um, I like I like what the Thunder are doing. Uh, and I root for Russ. Everyone knows that. I love Russell Westbrook and he's basically following the course of the narrative we wanted. So, got to root for Thanks, that. Thanks, Russ, for that. Appreciate it. So, let's get to a few players to close this up on. These lightning are the round. Lightning round. Uh, we're going to we'll start with Freda because he already took... Uh, two of these. Um let's uh let's start with oladipo because we just touched on the Thunder. Um he's been a big reason why they have been successful, sort of the lieutenant to uh to Russ to keep up my military analogies here. Um g- having a good season uh in a new role. Good player, Mike?
1: Yeah, I-, I think he's good. I think I'm surprised a little bit how he's adjusted to playing off the ball. He's shooting really well on catch and shoot threes. He's shooting right now about thirty nine percent from threes, a big definitely career high. When he um when he was uh, injured, I think the Thunder missed him. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think I think he's good, and I'm I'm surprised. I'd like to see him have a little more opportunity to handle the ball, but you know, with the rest there, it's not going to happen. You know, I I came into the year not really that high on him, and he's done some things that have convinced me to change my mind a little bit. So, hmm. in that sense, I think I he's agree. good. Uh, so? He's not better than Bradley Beal
2: though. <laughs> <laughs> out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah ODBuzz o- <laughs> looked really good I've had fun watching him um, I'm kind of I obviously do not want Russell Westbrook to get hurt, but if Russell Westbrook could just like you know get a wisdom tooth pulled and miss a game, I'm really interested to see Oladipo. He, would,
0: he wouldn't miss that game for the yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. True. He, he, he have would not that play well, with like blood spreading out. What was okay. the thing
1: he had a couple of years ago where his like face got smashed and he played the next game? <laughs> he broke oh, his cheek, he broke his cheekbone, and he kept uh, playing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. so anyway, maybe it's uh, like maybe he. I don't know. Has some sort of he, like just he misses has, a flight I, or something. I don't something. want him to get
2: hurt. Yeah, fine. I, I want to <laughs> see Westbrook miss a game because I'd be fascinated to see Oladipo play the Westbrook role because it kind of mm-hmm. seems like that's what he does. In those yeah. few minutes that Westbrook is Westbrook is off sure. off the floor, Oladipo is, yeah. I think, almost always out there. But at the same time, that's what he me.
1: did in Orlando and right. it was proven that is uh, okay at it. But he's well, but it's special. it's in
2: this you know the thing that Ben is describing this this tank setup where. The Thunder are built to have outlets for that kind of player. The guy who's just going to push and push and push, you know, try and get out in transition, try to score by himself, try and beat everyone to the rim. Yeah. They have everyone to rebound for him. They
0: have, you know, a, a couple kind of sort of kick out guys. Yeah. Um no, there's a lot of like pistons, late eighties mentality <laughs> yeah. going on with this Thunder team. Like they have their leader who like they're fully aware will fight and they're there to fight you know with him and for him. And yeah. I think there's I think, that's um, interesting.
2: I think Oladipo, you know, relative to what we may have hoped for him mm-hmm. in the NBA and relative to sort of the potentially had, maybe not great.
0: Well, on on this team in this setting, I think it it works pretty nicely. Some sometimes you can't decide, uh, you know, what the draft talent around you is and where sure. you get picked. Sorry, Evan yes. Turner, like a second round draft pick now. Um, so we talked about Depot. We did touch on Derek Rose as I took heat for that. He started off this year making people in New York feel a little optimistic about the point guard position. For Not, the first time no in years, he didn't. and <laughs> no, he didn't. You're, you're a Some jaded, pe- informed Knicks fan. Okay, the general Knicks, Knicks population are really excited. was really Some actually excited. Are still really excited about Derrick. I go to posting and toasting from you know uh, uh, early November, and this is like maybe we should extend Derek Rose. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, who whatever, just, who who's going to be the point guard in the Knicks next year? <laughs> who do you think it's going to be?
2: Who do I think it's going? So to we're be? saying right, do do here's a better question:
1: who, be? who is it going to be, and who do you want it to be?
2: Who's it going to be? Probably like Derrick Rose again somehow.
1: Okay. Who do you want? No, it to
2: I be? actually don't really think they're going to resign him. Uh, I don't know. I you know who do I want it to be? Ideally, Alonzo uh, Ball, because uh, the <laughs> okay. Knicks. Right, like, so here's ideally knew, yeah. the Knicks just missed the playoffs. Uh, just, just missed. They win forty three games, but the East is amazing, so they don't make playoffs. so
1: we just established that everybody there fourteenth in the lottery
2: standings, <laughs> and they get you know the one in a million first pick. Yeah. It's Lonzo Baller. or Michael. right, it. let's, let's say
0: let's say let's say you can't win
2: the lottery.
1: <laughs> well, who do you want it to be?
0: Why are we making so many rules? Well, on, the, on the last uh, <laughs> pod, we did. Ricky said that Drew uh, Holiday, De- DeAndre or De'Aaron, well, De- De- De'Aaron Fox, right? Uh, uh, for Kentucky, would be. A perfect player and someone who could definitely fall between like eleven to thirteen. He doesn't shoot well enough for my liking. Doesn't shoot, but I mean, I realistically, one of the advantages. I don't. And Mike talked about this a few realistic. pods ago. Was playing off Kristaps is like you have a big man who's one of the best shooters in the league.
2: If the Knicks can get Darren Fox, I'm not gonna be okay. Mad. Right. Okay, uh, but <laughs> putting aside the draft, assuming yep. that you know the Knicks won't have a very good pick, yep. True uh, Holiday would be really nice. I agree. Sure.
0: True. Oh, True I think True is a great, great player.
2: George Hill would be really nice.
1: Those would be upgrades. Uh, I don't know if George Hill's leaving. I'm actually not sure Drew's, not sure leaving, Drew's either, leaving either. Yeah. But, um,
2: well, they could I use think somebody. they're both leaving <laughs> to join the Knicks. Well, I guess then I'm surprised <laughs> well, you didn't say, like, I, Steph Curry or Chris Paul. No, come on. I'm very realistic. Um, no, <laughs> my dream, honestly, is that the Knicks sign Drew Holiday, re-sign Justin Holiday, and draft Aaron Holiday mm-hmm. and have a backcourt of all Holiday brothers.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm.
0: They can call them the summer. Home for the holidays. <laughs> um, this summer. They're all from L.A., so they wouldn't be home at all. But, all right. All right, all right um, um, let's okay,
1: see. So ha- th- if they're all smiling, they'll be happy holidays. That's right. <laughs> one would hope. <help.
0: laughs> all right. La- last two players. So we don't think Derrick Rose is good. That's <laughs> last good. two players is we've no. just shit on Derrick Rose for a little while. Um, I want to put uh, two two wings and then two centers. So we'll do four players in, in two batches here. Dwight and, and uh, Andre Drummond in one bucket. Uh, and then Harrison Barnes and... Uh, Mr. Wiggins in the other some controversial players here. I uh, came in today after watching the Sixers Wolves game last night, and Robert Covington handled Wiggins. He put him in a little basket and he set him aside for the fourth quarter. Uh, and you know Rocco is a good defensive player, so to his credit, you know it, it's not like he's some bum. Um, but Wiggins is controversial in so far as his game isn't taking incremental steps. He's super young, but he is as has been pointed out before, somewhat of a one stat box score guy uh, in points. Um, is he? Eventually, he's going to be really, really good, I think. I think you could still assume that his trajectory sure? is—I think he's still going to be a good player. But is he good right now, No, opinion. I don't think he's good right now. Hmm. Not a Wiggins guy? Not now. I mean, you were saying to me
1: earlier, like, maybe they should think about trading him. like well, I, No, I don't think they should uh, think about trading uh, only, him.
0: only and I, I want to say only insofar as there's a lot of redundancies between Zach Levine and Wiggins. A yeah, lot. There um, are. Because it's Levine's taken a big jump and become a much better player, but also offensively he's become a better shooter, which is what Wiggins' sole attribute is right now. Well, it's weird. Like it's, There shouldn't be an overlap between You're, those right, two players, yeah. and
1: yet there is. It is incredibly bizarre how uh, Wiggins, for all his athleticism, does not make athletic plays. He doesn't go to the basket. It's not, it's not only it's that. So like, like he just doesn't he doesn't jump to block shots he doesn't jump to rebound he's not active you can beat him off the dribble in a way that like someone his size you should not that's interesting Covington there was a play early in the first quarter where a spot up player just bumped through him and scored a layup in a way that you would think a player of Wiggins's athleticism just does not Hmm. should not allow so like okay he can become a better passer he can shoot better but what uh, sometimes this is like indi- is an in- indication of some larger problem that huh. I don't know is so easy to solve. Like it's weird. Like we're three years into his career, and it's I understand that he's only so young and like he's going to improve, but we I've yet to see really a ton of development in that area it's indicate that there's like a positive trajectory there. So I I don't know. It's it's a little strange. I would have thought that playing for Thibodeau would have solved some of that problem. Like he's just not very he's not a very active player. It's it's odd.
2: Yeah, I guess relative to being the first pick in the whole NBA draft and traded for Kevin Love, then I would not be inclined to say good. But I think he's, he's you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with being a, a one stat kind of guy just a score. He has really impressed me this season stat, yeah. with his ability to, you know, create his own shot. And not even that he makes those really athletic plays or gets himself all the way basket. He just hits a lot of tough shots. Yeah, he, but
1: that's all he can take, though.
2: Yeah, but he hits them. You know, I am of the opinion that you either need to take good shots or hit bad shots, and he's doing plenty of the latter. It's
0: true. That's an interesting, good good quote there. I like
2: that.
1: It's true, but like I I don't know. I guess I just still don't see the craft that I would have expected. I'm not saying I would see all of it. I think basically he is
2: disappointing and also
0: pretty good. Well, and also, I mean, look when you look at that draft now too. Again, you said he was the number one pick in that draft. Well, Jabari Parker's playing like a like an all-star, and and Embiid is likely uh, going to be an all-star um, maybe this year. Who knows? But he's he's obviously a good player too. So you start to think about you know playing against your draft status and and what your career trajectory was supposed to be. Um, without, well, yeah, the, the Parker thing is interesting because he missed
1: a whole a lot of time, yeah, yeah. and I'm not sure Jabari is like I don't think he's an all-star quality player yet. But you see that there are areas where it's like oh yeah, that's a lot better than it was. Two months ago, sure. Whether it's his shooting or his finishing, yeah. you can tell that there's some sort of climb. And he had a legit setback with oh, his yeah. injury. Towards Wiggins the has had no like sort of injury setback, and yet I can't. You know, he shot well from three early in this year, but I've yet to see like kind of a moment where it's like, yeah, that guy is doing something consistently that I had did not see yeah. him do two years ago, and that's
0: where I wonder what's going on there. All right. Well, let's, let's take that uh, evolution of one's game to, um, to Harrison Barnes, who's now in a much different role than he was in years past, being asked a lot more of uh, to, to put points and rebounds and be the guy who gets all the touches and usage rate and you name it, especially with Dirk out, so, or when Dirk was out. Um, so tell me about Harrison Barnes, and Seth, do you think that he's good? I have no, I do not watch the Mavericks. I have did, no, I
2: honestly, if you told me Harrison Barnes has not played this season, I would believe you.
1: Did you see our, our friend Kirk Anderson from uh, the Mavs site had a really funny, did you see that they're sampling now like a Harrison Barnes
2: burger? Yeah, you showed that to dude? me and it just looked like a, like a puck of meat with lettuce on it, which is the most Harrison Barnes thing ever. Right. It, was, it was like the most boring looking it, it hamburger was ever.
0: a puck of meat. Uh-oh, I want to say they had
1: some sort of burger giveaway last year too. Like this is sort of a, a common thing that they have. So, in response, I think our friend Kirk quote tweeted the the, the burger. I'm trying to find his exact line, but it, it made me laugh really hard. It was like, uh, "I'm not gonna make an empty calories joke." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I, I
2: have no idea about Harrison. Warren. I think
1: I think he's. Um, it's just unfortunate like he's in a situation where he has to do so much of that one-on-one stuff that it's sort of he's at the opposite extreme of where it was last year where he would literally he couldn't do any one-on-one stuff last year and now he's doing too much Uh, I still think there's a pretty good player in there somewhere and certainly you look at you know what he's doing and it certainly looks like it was smart to sign him instead of Chandler Parsons. Yeah, I mean well, that's, that's looking pretty smart right now for sure. Um, I don't know. I, I he's exactly the kind of guy I would say that if Wiggins doesn't get any better, like he's sort of doomed to be. But you yeah. know, I think he's. I, mean, I would say he's a better player than Wiggins right now. It's
2: funny he actually. We were just talking about Jabari Parker, and I see Barnes and Jabari Parker having a little bit in common, where they're—especially Barnes now that he is handling the ball a little bit. I have watched the maps this year. I was uh, (laughs) like— You can
1: uh, can be honest. They they played the Knicks. That's the only reason.
2: No, but Barnes, uh, in that, he's handling the ball a little bit. Because he was sort of stuck in that spot where it's like, do you want to play like a four, or do you want to play like a wing? And he is now—obviously you know, the Warriors were going to play him like a big because of the way the Warriors were built. But he's been asked now to play a little bit more like a creator, like a wing. And I think that he he, he can do a little bit. Of, he can do more of that than I expected. You know, he's got a little bit of a handle now. He can get all the way to the basket by himself. Not at, you know, he's not Kobe all of a sudden. But right. he he can do it a little bit. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of, that's basically, I, yeah. I think of Jabari Parker because those are the things that I. Sure. Jabari Parker's sort of around the same size and he he faced that. Do you want to be a, a a back down, you know, finisher big or do right. you want to be the kind of guy who can put the ball on, on the floor? And the Par- Parker's added a little bit of that. And it's, yeah. it's cool to see because he's such a large person and looks like he could be sort of awkward trying to get his own thing going off the dribble. But yeah. they, they both do it, I think, pretty well.
0: Yeah, I mean, just in general, going from Barnes's situation last year to his situation this year, uh, I think you're going to learn a lot about yourself, not just your game, but like your mentality of – preparation, professionalism, when you win in every game or almost every game the year before, then you end up taking heat for your team losing in the in the finals. Um, and deserved. Sure, deserved entirely. And then you go to a team who's not going to sniff the playoffs and, and quite literally is about to go through a rebuild and where you don't even know where you sit with that rebuild. I mean, you're the highest paid player on the team, but you're never going to be the best player on a good team. He probably is aware of that. So Harrison Barnes is interesting. Um, the last two, and we'll do this as quickly as possible so we can get you out of here, Seth. I'm sure there's something uh, NBA-related that both you guys need to be doing right now. So we no, not really. Hour. Okay, cool. <laughs> this is NBA-related. Um, all right, so let's just put Drummond and Dwight in a in, in little head-to-head matchup right now. Is Drummond becoming Dwight 2.0 without the successes that Dwight 1.0 had? No. Okay. Okay. Like, Talk me through them, Mike. You're pulling up some data right now, and I like this.
1: I- Every time I watch him, I'm underwhelmed. I feel like he hasn't improved at all. Oh, I
2: kind of thought Dwight 2.0 2. was meant as a as a yeah, it is. It, to it is. a statement. It
0: was. It was. It was. Right. I'm I see. see w- yeah. I yeah.
1: I see okay. what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I
0: have tough, I have a
1: tough time figuring Drummond out because the Pistons just have nobody that can pass the ball, and so he it's stuck he never he, he feel like you can just so easily take him out of the game and i don't think he's the defensive force that he should be and i i'm trying to figure out if like i i really don't like him because he hasn't gotten better and maybe that's me applying too many strikes against him or if he really if there really are weaknesses that aren't going away it's sort of ironic that some of the stuff that we would talk talk about at the draft you know is he zoned in game to game is he the kind of player that can play the positioning or can you take him out of a game if he just doesn't get the ball enough is now sort of coming back to the forefront uh, for that team and that's a team Detroit that is totally rudderless um, and you would hope that maybe Drummond would be able to and I I said this I think I don't remember if I said this year in the radio show but like what is special about Detroit if Drummond is ordinary Hmm. they have nobody else on that team that's like yeah that guy is Reggie Jackson's
2: confidence it's pretty amazing. It's, yeah, he's got okay. he's got a lot of it. I really wish Tobias Harris was better.
1: Well, I wish there are a lot of guys on the team where I'm like, uh, I mean I see what you're going for, but I wish you were a little bit better. Like Reggie Jackson's the same way. And even though Caldwell Pope's having good shooting gear, sometimes I think that about Caldwell Pope. It's like you know, and Stanley Johnson's another guy that's like, Wow, that guy really you look at him and it's like he has a lot of the elements that you'd think he'd be better
0: than this, but he's just not. Yeah. At Stanley point. Johnson's a he's like twenty, right? Yeah. So, but yeah, I I, I agree. I mean, I, part of Drummond uh, is that when you see someone that big and physically gifted, you'd like to see incremental gains in their the basketball ability. It's just it's not enough to just be that big and that athletic, especially if you're not going to fully comprehend the positional components of the game and and sort of the I don't know the the, the more uh, learned components. If you
1: right, yeah, know. and I. I'm hesitant to like write him off because a, he's still pretty young. And yeah. we said some of these things about DeAndre Jordan a couple of years ago. That's true. And that changed. And the team has nobody who can pass the ball. So he's just – when you're looking at a guy who can't really post up and he's not going to demand the ball, you need someone that can help get him the ball. And you mm-hmm. saw what over time maybe Chris Paul did for Jordan. And there's no – the Pistons are not just a bad passing team. They're one of the – if you think about that team, there's nobody on that team that's a good passer. Reggie Jackson is sometimes a good pick and roll player, but he's not a good passer. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have anybody that can give the ball to a guy in a good spot where you need where he needs it, and that I think has an adverse effect on Drummond.
2: You know, who the Pistons need
1: Derrick Rose. No, Rondo.
0: <laughs> oh no, Whoa. he can pass. Oh.
2: Whoa, yeah.
0: Let's let's put Stan Van Gundy and and Rondo on some like on a jet. I'll go on an airplane and just like, have them have, let him have a conversation. Mm, um, that'll be interesting. Speaking of guys that get along really well with everybody, uh, do we think Dwight is uh, still a good player or is he, is he bad too? Seth? He's different.
2: Hmm. He's different. He kind of seems to be settling into just being a big dude who, uh, I mean, like I said, he's not you know, really getting the opportunities that he got with other point guards yeah. in other situations. That's true. Um, but he's a nice sort of big cleanup man. He's hitting his free throws, which is nice. Amazing,
0: right? Pretty important. Like somewhat of a switch has gone off there. Uh, is he actually hitting his free throws? or have No, you he, but he's like, like a little above his career okay. average, it, which, which is whatever. better. Actually, he's below his career average. Uh, is he? Is he really? Yeah. Huh. What is it? What's his career uh, average? He is,
2: he's missing his free
0: throws. <laughs> no, I don't know. Dwight Howard sucks. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well some someday in a perfect world, Dwight Howard and Derrick Rose are on the on the same team right um i'm I'm looking so at uh, I mean Dwight's usage rate
1: this year is actually higher than it was last year. His efficiency is higher than it was last year. He uh, didn't like uh, if you look Houston. at statistically, he's significantly better than he was last year and actually better than he's been in a little while. It's <laughs> just watching the games, I don't feel like I notice him,
2: yeah well not because he's not. He's not, you know, getting the ball in the post like was forced for so long. Uh, they run pick and roll with him, but teams have gotten pretty good. At if, you you know, all your guy is going to do in the pick and roll is finish right at the rim, teams right. have gotten pretty good at stopping that. That goes for Drummond, too.
1: Right. Also, he has a point guard that doesn't necessarily yeah, like to pass As we have established,
2: he has a point guard who would rather pull up than pass right. in the pick and roll. But am I, he's offensive rebounding a lot, right? I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm not just like reading yeah, off no, the no, reference right now. But <laughs> he has the best offensive rebound percentage in the league this year. That's pretty good. Well, there you go. Good. That's great. All, right, all so because that, of your research. I'm sure right. that you did. Uh, he's uh, so that seems to me like a different kind of Dwight Howard, who maybe is finally sort of accepting, like, all right, what can I do to actually like win and help and not, you know, play like I'm Hakeem Olajuwon. Yeah.
1: I'd love to see him on a team that have better shooters than the Hawks currently have because, again, they just have nobody on the wing with Korver's decline and into a part-time player now. They don't have anyone
0: on the team that can make an outside shot. Are the Rockets the same team they are right now if you switch Dwight with Clint Capella with the the current shooters they have on their team? It seems like something has changed
2: sort of emotionally with Dwight. You know, if – if Dwight Howard was getting along with everyone, then yeah, sure. Uh, but it seemed like something weird between he and Harden yeah, and Houston least. in general. and so
0: Maybe being home, being uh, in a different atmosphere, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, yeah, maybe playing on. off the grid
1: with a sure. team that is... Totally average. That is in a market that doesn't really care about
2: it. Is kind yeah, of yeah. Nobody's talking about Dwight Howard.
0: Yeah, that's true. Like,
1: it's kind of interesting how little we Here are we saying are. good and bad about him. We are almost like kind of like shrugging our shoulders like this entire now. conversation. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, meanwhile, he took a team to the NBA Finals. What six years ago? Something like that, right? Seven years ago. Six, seven, years? Seven, years seven, seven years ago. Seven years ago. ago. Yeah. Okay. To the NBA Finals, a team that had skipped to my lu playing point guard, but he could pass. He could pass. And they had Hito Turkoglu. <laughs> yeah. He could pass, too. Playing like a superstar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Actually, know, interesting team. But, you know, it does show uh, how great Dwight 1.0 oh. That is uh, sort of an interesting thought experiment. Is like,
1: what if you put Dwight back on this year's Rockets and you assume that, like, he he came in with the same attitude, even whatever opinions he had on Harden. Like, how much would that change him and the Rockets? That's a really interesting hypothetical. That would never happen.
2: If the Rockets had this Dwight Howard, the Dwight Howard that's just like, yeah, cleaning up rebounds.
0: Yeah. It'd be interesting. That'd be nice. I mean, Clint is a good player, too. Um, maybe we should have an SB NBA writer explore uh, this.
2: I think that right now we topic. should do another hour and a half about the <laughs> 2009 magic. You guys,
0: you guys ready to do, do that? You ready to do it? All right, all right. Bathroom breaks all around. Um, but before we get to that, um, I just want to say thanks. Seth, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate you uh, you coming on this uh, this Limited Upside podcast again. Thank you for having me. I feel like I don't bring much to the table, but, <laughs>
2: but I have fun You say time. that every yeah, single man, time.
0: Don't sell yourself short.
1: I <laughs> believe your team preview was the most listened team preview of all of them. Knicks, man.
0: Your fan base knows – Uh, they like what you have to say. So I think, I think it's you. I don't think it's the Knicks. Yeah. It can't be the Knicks. You're no. currently speechless. You have no <laughs> thoughts I'm on this. I'm speechless because I don't particularly want Knicks <laughs>
2: fans to hear what we've said about the Knicks.
0: <laughs> conversation. No, don't worry. All the good faith that we created with uh, – like our season previews of teams who's over-unders we were like ah we love them they're gonna be great we just we just destroyed all of that on this side.
1: I will say this I still think
0: they'll finish with more wins in the Bulls that's what I believed at the beginning cool. of the year and that's what I still believe now. fantastic <laughs> the, the race to the middle continues but uh cool we'll check back in with uh with you, raise
1: a, you could raise a banner to that just like with the J.R. Smith pipe banner that we yeah. the a- afters.
0: <laughs> more wins than the Chicago Bulls this year we did oh god <laughs> on that note uh, Mike Prada thanks again for uh, for always uh for always being a part of this podcast with me here. I'm Ben Epstein. Again, thanks to Seth Rosenthal for, uh, for joining this podcast. And until next time, this is The Limited Upside.
3: and connect your store with MailChimp in order to personalize and automate your marketing. Visit MailChimp.com to learn more.